welcome inside episode 717 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Alongside Brandon Piller up in the Blue Mountains and the Ottawa Senators prevailed. Despite not scoring a 5-on-5, they earn a 5-4 win over the Pittsburgh Penguins. And we're going to get into some deep discussions today. Is JBD finally ready to be a full-time NHLer? And which of these two troubled goalies should start next game? Tomorrow's game against the Pittsburgh Penguins again. All that's coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Senators podcast. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Thank you for making Locked On Senators your first listen on this Thursday, January 19th. The show is free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube where the best way you can help the show grow is to subscribe to the Locked On Senators channel and leave a comment below. Today's comment, who starts in goal tomorrow? We need to know because it's been a tough stretch for both goalies. We'll get into that. Pillsy mentioned JBD, Jake Sanderson, Shane Pinto. The Nodak sends came to play last night. So did Brady Kachuk. The captain wins it in overtime. All that is coming up, but Pillsy, I forgot how much I hated the Pittsburgh Penguins. I never forget how much I hate the Pittsburgh Penguins, Ross, but we probably hate the Pittsburgh Penguins just as much as Mike Sullivan hated that refing crew last night. I mean, if if you want to do a victory lap on this one, go check out uh, Sullivan's post-game presser as he was seething about the refing. He would like... There was times where reporters are asking questions and he goes to answer and he's like, no, that one's going to cost me 25 grand. Uh, no, that's going to cost me 25 grand. Okay, I'm not going to say anything. I don't have anything for you. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> At one point, that's it. He's like, I don't have anything. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's ridiculous. And then a great follow-up question. Were you upset with the discipline of your team at all? That's a risky follow-up question by the reporter there. I thought that was an interesting approach. Yes, it absolutely was. Now, as we mentioned off the top, the Senators scored four goals on the power play in this game, and there were a couple bad calls. I'm not here to beat the drum of the Senators earned every single power play they got in the game. They certainly took advantage of many of them, but they also gave up a lot of power plays too. The refs just had the whistle in their mouth all night, ready to blow things down. But when I look at probably the call that I think Mike Sullivan has the most um problem with and rightfully so is his team was on a power play and Dylan Gambrell tries a spinorama at the offensive blue line which I was like what and I mean it's just like in NHL the video game when you try uh, like a um, an advanced deke with a player who just can't do it you just give the puck away that's pretty much what happened there with Dylan Gambrell and they called Pierre Olivier Joseph for a trip and that one I think was a little tough I don't see that's what I thought the call was initially Ross but I don't think that was the penalty call I think the penalty call was later on in the play he cross checks Parker Kelly on the way to the box well yeah then was he called earlier there I don't know well it was halfway because they say the the call was against Dylan Gambrell but they did call it cross checking 
Yeah, okay. So our confusion is uh, warranted there. That that was a weird call because I was like, ah, that's a bit of a sell job by Gabriel and he's going down anyways. But then that cross check he lays on Parker Kelly is just completely unnecessary. So that did deserve a penalty there. But yeah, weird one. Nine power plays for the Ottawa Senators. <laughs> Five for Pittsburgh, right? There were six power play goals total in this game. It was just a ju- disjointed game with not much five-on-five play at all. No, hardly any five-on-five play. I mean, Brady had nine and a half minutes on the power play. <laughs> how? Who led the team in five-on-five ice time? And I need to know. I need to know how many minutes the leader at five-on-five played in this game. I'm pulling it up right now because this is this is what 36 minutes of the game were played at five-on-five. Pills, almost half. Yeah, I don't know the answer for you here. Yeah. I, I could. I got it. The answer is, drum roll please, Thomas Shabbat with 15 minutes and 57 seconds at 5-on-5. He was the only player with more than 15 minutes at 5-on-5. And you had three, six, you had eight different players with less than 10 minutes at 5-on-5. That's wild. And I mean, like, some of these guys, like Mark Kaslick, only played five and a half minutes total in this game. Like, it was just a top six bonanza, which is perfect for Josh Norris coming back to this game. Yes, we'll get into Josh Norris's return and, and some great storylines coming out of this one. But you bring up Mark Kastlick's name. Would you like to bring the face-off stat into this one? And by the way, how was Sidney Crosby the second star in the building? I know he had three assists, but I don't know. I didn't really notice him other than Tim Stutzel breaking his ankles, saying, hey, hop on my back, come for a ride, as he went down Main Street and scored the Sens' second goal. Yeah, that is funny that you mentioned that, Ross, because I was watching the highlights and I was like, man, the Senators did a great job of having Sidney Crosby not factor into this game. Oh, whoops, three assists. <laughs> like, no shots. Yeah, no, no shots. shots. Uh, much to my dismay, I had uh, Sidney Crosby uh, shot Ew. over on this one. Uh, I just did that, Ross, so that uh, if he did end up dominating, which he usually does, I wouldn't feel so bad about it. But sure, he gets three assists, but I... I agree with you. I kind of thought he was a limited factor in this game. Well, Malkin was certainly Malkin was a big, big deal in this game. Drawing two penalties back-to-back and then scoring on the power play uh, early on in this one. Yeah, he had two assists as well in the game uh, in 18 minutes. But both those guys under 50% in the circle. And that's in part because Mark Kaslick had one goal in those five and a half minutes. And that was to win face-offs against the best players on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Mark Kaslick took seven face, sorry, took 10 face-offs and won eight of them. And he went six for seven against Sidney Crosby. And this is what really impresses me, Pilsy. Six of those uh, face-offs were in the defensive zone against Sidney Crosby, and he won five of them. That's so huge. Like when you're a fourth line that doesn't allow the other team's top players to get possession in the O-zone, that's massive. So shout out Mark Kaslick. I mean, five and a half minutes, but that's a major impact for a guy like him. And we're talking about how the bottom six could be improved. Still no word of what happened with Matthew Joseph, except EJ Smith said today that he will be in the lineup in Pittsburgh. So hopefully the Joseph family, maybe they rent a bus or something and get everybody down. <laughs> yeah. for that game. I know the parents were planning on going. Taylor Haas's article that, that I brought up yesterday uh, did say that the parents will be in the in Pittsburgh as well. Um, but hopefully the family can get there too because that's disappointing uh, that they didn't get to see Joseph play. Obviously, we had strong takes on that on yesterday's show. But back to the game, Pilsy. Who 
did you have last night in the postcast as your standout? And would you like to have a second? Well, I had Tim Stutzla as my standout only because I handed it over to Martian first. The Brady was the guy. I mean, it's it's his best night ever, four points. He gets the game-winning goal. He gets four shots, hits on that over on the shots. You love to see that with the game-winning goal. And just another thing I want to add to this, Brady Kachuk is the perfect guy to be the captain of this team. Like the stuff that he was doing uh, with that young kid, uh, I believe his name is Daniel Malarney is just Maloney Maloney. Okay. Sorry. I was close there. Um, It's just awesome. Shout out Kyle Bukoskis for the way he conducted that post game interview in the hallway after where he got Brady and Daniel to interact with each other. That's a tough skill as an interviewer because you're used to just being like, I'll ask you the question and I'm kind of begging for something that I can follow up with. But for him to like create a conversation within the conversation between (laughs) Brady and Daniel, I thought that was super special and very well done by, uh, by Kyle. Oh yeah. Kyle, Kyle's the man that, that is tough. Uh, Interviewing kids is, I've done that before on uh, live TV, and it is a very interesting uh, situation you can get yourself involved in. You better have questions ready for those quick one-word answers. But Kyle does a great job, and Daniel does an amazing job. And you can just – like the smile on the kid's face, like th- that's something he's going to remember for the rest of his life. That's that's where you turn – uh, just someone that casually maybe watches the game or likes hockey. Now I think Daniel's going to be obsessed and he's going to be tuning into the games. He's going to be watching out for Brady. So great job by the Ottawa Senators there. And uh, I believe it was the Make-A-Wish Foundation that put all that together. Absolutely. And uh, Daniel Maloney, that story they put up of him, we've tweeted out at Send Central on Twitter. Great, great stuff. Not only um, for a short term, but you're right, the long-term outlook and what that can do for that family going forward. All right. Back to the game itself. You had Tim Stutzla as your Sen Central standout last night. Tim Stutzla scored his 20th goal of the season. He finished last year with 22 goals. And now here he is only 45 games, 44 games into the season. And here he is. He becomes just the fourth Senator skater to record back-to-back 20-goal seasons before the age of 22. The others, two former captains and one of the most electric players in franchise history, I think is fair to call it. Brady Kachuk, Martin Havlat, and Alexi Ashen. That is fantastic company to join for Tim Stutzla. The Senators also scored their 43rd and 44th play, power play goals of the season. Only the Oilers have yeah. more at 51. This power play is legit, and they got another weapon back. Coming up, we're going to talk about how Josh Norris looked in his first game in 38 matches. JBD, full-time NHLer, yes or no? Let us know in the comments. And who should start in goal tomorrow night? It's been a tough stretch for both Cam Talbot and Anton Forsberg, and they're going into a tough building that isn't only tough to play in, but some PTSD for Sens fans when they see the PPJ Paints Arena in Pittsburgh. All that's coming up. You are Locked On Senators. And today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And that's not just me reading their tagline. I can personally guarantee you that I also believe that these taste like candy bars. If you put a generic candy bar and a Built Bar in front of me, I'm grabbing that Built Bar every time. Because not only is it going to taste better, 
which is a win right there, but it's healthy for you. They've got high protein, high fiber, while having low calorie and low sugar bars. I love Built Bar because they figure out how to make it taste good, then how to make it healthy. The perfect example of that is the Built Puffs. It's a protein-infused marshmallow covered in chocolate. Need I say more? Like that is just absolutely amazing. We love the Built Puffs. And if you go to Built.com, you can check out all the sweet flavors. And for the Built Puffs, they've got brownie batter puff, gluten-free, 140 calories, 17 grams of protein, 6 grams of sugar. They got coconut marshmallow and churro flavors. Don't just take my word for it though, guys. Go to Built.com, get a mixed box so you can try so many different flavors and to sweeten the deal a little, we're going to hook you guys up with the promo code, of course. Use promo code LOCKEDON15 for 15% off your next order at Built.com. One more time, guys, check out Built.com, promo code LOCKEDON15 for 15% off. It's Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Today's episode is also brought to you by the Glebe Central Pub. We love our friends at the Glebe Central Pub located at 779 Bank Street. I always make sure to mention that it's an interactive environment at the Glebe Central Pub. You know, sometimes you get to a restaurant and you just sit at your own table. You mind your own business, your P's and Q's. Not at the Glebe Central Pub. You're among friends and family at the Glebe Central Pub, whether it's an open mic night, live music, trivia. They got it all at the Glebe Central Pub. Great drink specials, great food. And they love the Sens just as much as you. If the Sens are playing, it's on TV at the Glebe Central Pub. And if you want to go to a game, they just un- unveiled on Instagram their bus schedule, their shuttle schedule to and from the CTC to the Glebe Central Pub. And they have a ton of options. So to name them all, I will send you to GlebeCentralPub.com. But Pilsy, we're looking forward to February 17th. We have a call with Glebe Central Pub on Monday. And we're figuring something out. So if you're a citizen, you're watching this, you're going to the game on February 17th, watch Chris Neal's number go up to the rafters, stay tuned. The shuttle is coming. We might get a little pregame live show exclusive if you're there. We're not going to post it anywhere. And then get the party bus, as Martian's calling it, bumping to Canada. And we will guarantee we will not do the shuttle unless we guarantee we'll be there in our seats to watch Neeler's number go up in the rafters. So don't worry about getting there early enough. We will make sure of it. Just join us at the Glebe Central Pub, 779 Bank Street. More to come when it comes to that. But Glebe Central Pub is always there for you, and they love hockey as much as you. You know you can catch the game there, catch great drinks, great food, great people. It's the Glebe Central Pub located at 779 Bank Street in the heart of the Glebe. All right, Pillsy, Sens win 5-4 in overtime against the Pittsburgh Penguins, the team that's still holding down the final playoff spot. So as much as it's nice to have a win, the Sens haven't had a whole lot of them recently, I was disappointed when Ricard Raquel tied the game up in the final eight minutes of the third period. Ottawa just taking the lead. Shane Pinto, beautiful rocket, ends a 14-game drought. But then they give up the lead. It goes to overtime. So now the Senators wake up. Is it eight points back? Eight points back of the Pittsburgh Penguins in the final chase for the wild card spot. But that joking aside, it is good to see uh, them get back in the win column. 
And now they get an opportunity to play Pittsburgh again tomorrow. Let's start with the goaltending. We're a goalie-friendly show, but we also have to be realistic. These goalies have struggled over the last little while. Anton Forsberg, in his last six starts, is rocking... Sorry, his last seven starts, is rocking an 881 save percentage, and that includes a shutout. Yeah. Cam Talbot, in his last six games, even less success, 852 save percentage. Who do you start tomorrow night? I You got to go with Forsberg here. That was such a tough game for Cam Talbot, and... It was a tough game, the game before up against the St. Louis Blues where he has that mistake that leads to the game-winning goal in a 2-1 game. But, Ross, you mentioned it. You were so disappointed that the Penguins were able to tie it up. That Raquel goal, that's one you got to have if you're Talbot. I know it's a bit of a weird play and it's a quick spin shot, but he's all the way back in his net. He's not ready for a shot of any kind and it slips through him. It's That's a key momentum goal there. If he can make a save there... The Ottawa Senators, they had the momentum. It felt like they were really pushing. Um, they were dominating in this game. And that was one of the three goals that I thought were inexcusable for Cam Talbot here. And I don't I don't know what to do because this team cannot have poor goaltending. They need at least adequate goaltending. Pierre Dorian mentioned it in the start of the season. He said we need 918 save percentage from this team, we feel, to be successful here. So... They're not even close to that right now, and especially in this last couple uh, game stretch that you just laid out there. Neither goalie is getting it done, but I think Anton Forsberg has been the better guy recently than Cam Talbot. Is it time to call in the big guns? (laughs) No, we need Brady Kachuk out there scoring goals. He can't do it all, but uh, I'm sure he would put on a pretty good performance in net as well. But... uh, Yeah, that's the thing. This is tough with uh, Forsberg and Talbot both struggling. And we just had an episode a little while ago where we had the conversation of extending Talbot. And I still feel like it's a smart move, not because I think Cam Talbot is going to lead this team to success or he's the the best option. But I think the way this team's set up, a tandem goalie duo is the best option because you got Forsberg at a good price and how are you going to go out there and acquire a true number one? And there's not a lot of guys I can see fitting into a tandem like Cam Talbot. He's already here. He likes it here. So I think you could get him at a decent uh, deal one or two years. But it's starting to make me a little nervous. And and maybe I'm not feeling that uh, duo as uh, the, the combo when this team's ready to truly make their push to the playoffs. Yeah, it's really tough to say because Cam Talbot's highs have been so high. The Boston game was ridiculous. And I know people listening right now were in attendance for that one on December 27th. He was the only reason they beat the Boston Bruins. Mm -hmm. That third period, they had like 25 shots. (laughs) He was unreal, but then he's kind of looking like Matt Murray in the last couple games. That glove hand. I know, I got a lot of flash. I tweeted out Cam Murray last night after the one went through his glove. Yeah, the the, the Cam Murray things, that that is legit. And uh, Ross, Talbot's trying new stuff. He's trying out new pads today, although I didn't think the pads were the issue in that one. He needs to double-check there's no holes in that glove. Sheesh. But uh, You think he's in his own head right now because he got the Deadpool mask, and now he's already ditched it again after a couple bad games. Now he's changing gear like, I don't know. I don't know if that's a good sign. 
Yeah, he might be in his head a little. I mean, we saw Matt Murray change gear a couple times last season as well, and that didn't really go well for him. White to white with one little line in it? Come on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Um, But, yeah, if if you're asking me, I go Forsberg next game, especially since it's another back-to-back. Cam Talbot has played a decent stretch of games here. So give Forsberg the start up against Pittsburgh and then Talbot the start uh, against Winnipeg. Our guy Mitch at Slacker Galactic, great handle on Twitter. He says, Forzy, just keep flipping back and forth till one of them makes it an easy choice. I think that's the fairest way to do it. The thing, there's no easy choice right now. That's a tough place to be if you're DJ Smith. One thing that's great for DJ Smith is having his number one B centerman back because, I mean, Tim Stutzel's the dude now, as we already discussed earlier. But Josh Norris is back, and the Nodak Sens came to play last night. Is Jacob Bernard Docker... A full-time NHLer yet, or what? We'll get into that next here on Locked On Senators. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. Visit Bet Online. It's where the game starts. It's where you can go for all your sports scores, podcasts, news, analysis, player performance props, everything you need. And we want to make sure you do it responsibly. For example, a unit for me is like three, four, five dollars. I'm not going crazy. I'm just having fun. Adds a little excitement when I'm watching the game. Can Brady Kachuk hit the over in shots on goal? Last night, he did it on the overtime game winner. So you always have to be way into the game when you're doing that. It's cha-ching, but you know, still break even. So do it responsibly, but have fun doing it. It is bet online. And that's why you go to bet online because you have all the uh, analysis, all the stats, all the numbers behind it. Or if you got a gut feeling, just head on over there and place your bets. It's betonline.net. It's where the game starts. All right, Pilsy. The Senators win 5-4 in overtime. Beautiful play by Tim Stutzel weaving up the ice. Finding Brady Kachuk cutting across the middle. And he makes no mistake past Casey DeSmith. Now, for more in-depth, immediate analysis, you can head over to the postcast wherever you get your podcast. And it's available on YouTube for replay purposes. So you're welcome to go catch up on the postcast there. But Pilsy here on Locked On Senators, we get into more wide-ranging conversations. And today I have two that I want to bring up. Would you like to start with Josh Norris? Or Jacob Bernard Docker? Let's start with Norris. Perfect. As we should. Because he gets the goggles after last night's win. He's using so much KT tape, by the way, on his shoulder. Did you notice? I thought he had a new tattoo. Honestly, I was like, holy crap. The the guy goes out for a shoulder injury, then gets it inked up. What's up with that? But uh, a closer look. Yeah, it was just a lot of tape. Yes, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm going to pull it up right now. Because it was astounding I think I'll say just being like from far away you're right it actually looks like a tattoo but he gets the goggles in last night's game just jacked up look at the way Shane Pinto's looking at him he's like yeah great to have you back slots me into a better position at third line center and Josh Norris how nice was it to just when you're watching in the first period just seeing him with his stick in the air on the, on the power play, just waiting. And he got two opportunities, and one of them just barely missed the net. But it was just awesome to see him back. And it's going to take a little while, I think, for him to get back normal. He did not take a single face-off in last yeah. night's game. We knew that going in. But 
They followed through on that. Finishes the game with two shots on goal, one takeaway, one block shot. Pilsy, I know over five minutes was on the power play, but it's great to see that even though they were limiting him outside of the faceoff dot, he wasn't limited in ice time. He played 19 minutes and 14 seconds in that game, 52 seconds onto the penalty kill. Did have that one boarding penalty on Malkin. You can make the argument that Malkin turned at the last second, but it didn't look great. It was definitely a two-minute penalty. So gets that. He's back, but it's great to see. Yeah, and Ross, you know what? I want to keep him on that second unit. I think you keep the top unit how it is because on that second unit, having Pinto and Giroux are so dangerous together on the power play. Giroux's able to set up Pinto for that bumper quick play and having Norris as a guy that can just take clappers from the right circle, I think you, you keep that power play unit as it is. You know what I loved? When they scored that that go-ahead goal in the um, in the third period, Shane Pinto's power play goal assisted by Brady Kachuk and Claude Giroux. The reason I bring up Kachuk, who had three primary assists last night. Not only three mm-hmm. assists, three primary assists, and then the overtime goal. You mentioned it, his first career four-point game. But on Pinto's goal, I tweeted it out as well. I was like, man, this is a power play unit, and power play two is kind of the funniest. And the reason why it was so potent is because they just kept Brady Kachuk yep. and they kept, um, sorry, and no, they just kept Brady Kachuk out for the whole power play. And because they're they're moving it around, like you said, Norris starting on the second unit, like a second unit of Kachuk, Norris, Giroux, Pinto, and Sanderson, that that's probably as good as a few first units in the NHL. Absolutely. And that's the thing. Like, I know some people are like, wow, Giroux's brought in and he's on the second power play unit, or there's no way you can have Norris on the second unit. I mean, this is more a 1A, 1B type of thing here. And we've talked about this. When this team's healthy in their top six, it doesn't really matter. It's just a matter of who starts the, the power play and who changes after. That's all. That's the only distinctive factor between the two of them because. When you're clicking at the rate that the Ottawa Senators are, you mentioned it, second most power play goals in the entire league. It's pretty damn good. Super impressive. And for them to show their coach confidence in in putting Norris on the second unit with four power play goals, Alex DeBrinkett, Tim Stutzla, Drake Batherson, and Shane Pinto. The Sens win 5-4 and didn't have a single plus player. In, in the in the lineup. I mean, that just tells you what kind of a weird, wacky game that was. But it was also a game where I thought Jacob Bernard Docker did a fantastic job. Now, he only played 14 minutes and 36 seconds, which was actually fourth on the on the decor. Eric Branstrom only played 10 minutes and 35 seconds, and Nick Holden only played 11 minutes and 32 seconds. Um, top-heavy game, Shabbat 26-20, Sanderson 23-24. Um, but I thought he did a great job. And whenever he was going head-to-head against a top op- opponent, whether it was a Crosby or or one of their top two lines coming down the wing, I, I think he's just perfect, perfectly unnoticeable. And I hope he never plays a single game in Belleville again. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting topic here because I think with Zub and Zaitsev out, obviously he's the guy you want there. Like It's a no-brainer. But when both those guys come back, I wouldn't be too upset if they brought him back down to Belleville, not because I think it's absolutely necessary or he's not ready for the NHL, just because I think if you can get that Belleville team rolling and they can have a little bit more success in the playoffs than last year, I think that would be really good for his development. But 
JBD is ready to play in the NHL. So I think either option is great. And if this team starts stringing along some wins here and can actually make some sort of push, I'm doubtful if that can happen. But if that does happen, I want JBD here battling along with these guys. Because I think come next year, there's zero excuse for him to play anytime in Belleville. So I think he's on the cusp of it right now. I'm fine if he goes down and plays big big minutes and uh, pushes for Belleville's playoffs. I'm fine if he stays up here and works on developing chemistry with Thomas Chabot too. Oh, no. I just love watching him play in the NHL. And and when you look at the chaos agents that are Nikita Zaitsev, Travis Hamanick, and to a lesser extent, Nick Holden, who I think is really kind of hanging on right now, he looked great last year. And I think he earned this contract. But at the same time, he's he's de- he, I mean, he's getting older. I mean, what more can you say? He's, he's 35 years old now, turned 30 in his 36th year, uh, turning 36 in May. And I just think that if he can be kind of a seventh guy in and out of the lineup, that's probably for the best. And in that case, then when you have Zub back, you can probably take out Holden, I think, before I take out Jacob Bernard Docker. Yeah, I would agree with that. Even though I think Brandy and Holden as a third pair has been pretty good, uh, to be honest. But, I mean, I agree. I think Holden as your seventh guy is the right play here. Yeah, well, let us know in the comments what you think about Jacob Bernard Docker. And we do also have an update somewhat. We we were expecting it, but we do have an update. Uh, Matthew Joseph did speak to the media, and so did DJ Smith. Joseph saying, uh, this is from our guy Ian Mendez, quote, I'm just going to talk about this once. This was an internal thing. I did a mistake, and I was ready to assume the consequences of it. And this is on me, and it's my responsibility. I know I can do better, and I will. He will be back and have a chance to play against his brother on Friday. I I like that he took the responsibility. I still think it could have been communicated by DJ Smith a lot better yesterday. Maybe have this conversation that they're having yesterday instead of today. It would have just been a a one-and-done story. Maybe a bit of speculation. What did he do? Doesn't matter. Internal thing, that's fine. But for him to just be coy about it and then today, I don't know why they couldn't have just had this yesterday anyways that's neither here nor there yeah I I don't know the only thing I can think of Ross is when DJ was doing his presser Daniel was up there with him so maybe he didn't want to get into like a big negative discussion just kind of wanted to keep things rolling I don't know yeah okay a couple news and notes before we go there's there's a few things going on um right now one note and and this is more in the background but we know the Sens have been They've been interested in every defenseman. That's why I I have a tough time being like, oh, it's going to be him. Oh, it's going to be that guy. It's going to be this guy. They've been attached to any defenseman that's been named in the trade market. Even Even the ones that aren't. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. So I'm not going to go too too detective mode on this one, but it is worth noting that Matt Dumba is a healthy scratch for Minnesota tonight. Make Make of that what you will. But just quickly... This might not necessarily be 100% meaning of trades coming up. We heard it from Seth Tupal. He said Matt Dumba has not been very good this year. It could very likely just be a straight-up healthy scratch. And Alex Goligoski's coming in, so it's not like it's like some scrub that they're just plugging in there. Like That's a respected veteran that's taking his spot. So it, this could be a whole big nothing burger, and it's just like, hey, Dumba, you're not playing well lately. We're g- giving you a health bomb here. Our boy overseas, Oscar Pedersen. Congrats, man. He signed for next year in the SHL. He hit his 100-minute quota, so that guarantees his, um, his SHL deal for the rest of this season. 
And now he's back next year. So that's great for him playing pro hockey now. And it'll be great for his development into a power forward. You want to be a power forward? You got to play against older players and assert yourself that way. He's got a goal and an assist in 14 SHL games. But his ice time is consistently between 10 and 15 minutes, which you can't often say about those. Like he's, he's playing the same amount in the SHL as he did in the World Juniors. So make with that what you will. I know some people thought he was playing less than you would want. I love it. And now he's going to have this much experience in the SHL this year, and then he'll be at the World Juniors next year, and I think that's where we'll really see his next phase blossom. And this is a really big deal, Ross, because we found out uh, a little bit more about the inner workings of the SHL. If you play under 100 minutes, then they don't have to pay you a full, proper pro contract. And that's why you see so many mind-boggling moves in the SHL where top prospects, like guys that are going to get drafted in the first round, are playing two, three minutes a night or just not playing at all because these teams want to keep their budgets down. They don't want to have to pay these guys. So Oscar Pedersen is so damn good. The team's like, screw that. We don't care about having to pay him extra. He's so good. We want him on the team. He's ready to play bigger minutes. And they let him blow right by that. And now Oscar Pedersen, cha-ching, He's going to be like making a little bit more on his uh, bi-weekly paycheck. So you love to see that. Love to see that. You also love to see a mayor do good for his people. The only problem was he was wearing the wrong jersey. Carson Latimer went back to Prince Albert his first time there as a member of the Winnipeg Ice. And he scored his first goal as a member of the Winnipeg Ice. It was a uh, one goal in an 8-1 win for the ice uh, last night. So uh, great to see Lats get on the board. Hopefully there's a few more where that came from. Uh, we'll have to catch up with him here coming up we're gonna do a kind of an interview week coming up because from didn't we just do that well yeah we did <laughs> and i'll let you uh promo who we had on but from january 31st so february 1st is the first day without a sense game they go 10 straight days without a game what so are we gonna, gonna do with our lives oh my god there's some guys we got to get either back on the show or on the show for the first time so stay tuned um, I got to I got to get in the lab here and uh, hey and, and, and guys I know we already have a comment question but leave a comment of guests you want us to see uh, go after for the the big interview week coming up the, the mid season bye week pretty much where yeah. it's all star game so we'll have some all star content by the way we'll find out later today who the final all star voters are so find out that I, I have a sneaking suspicion who one might be if Sens fans you, had anything to do with it. Who do you think the final two players and goalie are in the Atlantic? Tim Stutzel, obviously. Uh, and I haven't seen any other all-star uh, hype, but they were talking about this on 32 Thoughts, the podcast. It would be probably pretty crazy for Austin Matthews not to make an appearance at the all-star game because uh, some other Leafs player I'm blanking on uh, his name uh, was a guy that was uh, voted into the all-star game. Crazy. Yeah, I don't know. Minner? Minner? Marner? Couldn't tell you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tell you. There's also a big voting push for Cole Caulfield as well, but it doesn't really make sense to me for the last place team to have two All-Star nominees. Yeah, and isn't the All-Star game for good players? Yeah. I thought. Yeah, five, five on five. Um, all jokes aside, I mean, we can't even like have that take anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I tried to set you up for, for one there, but yeah, it is tough. Yeah. He's too nasty. He's such a good goal scorer. Uh, but it just would be, it'd be wild to me that like a team like Boston would only have one all-star like David Pasternak's third in the NHL in points like Pasternak 
like has to be there. No. Yeah. Anyway, so it's it's all, Timmy, it's all, Matthews, Pasta, and let's get Matt oh, Murray to the All Star game. What do you mean? It's only two, it's two players and one goalie. Oh damn. Okay, let's have uh, Austin Matthews play goalie then. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, Brady's already there. Just tell him to strap him on. True, true. Uh, I think realistically it'll be Pasternak and then either Stutzla or Caulfield, whoever wins. So the, no, you're out on Matthews making it? That, I mean, Matthews are – if we're going by how, they're, how they are, it's, it should probably be Pasternak and Matthews, no? Yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, it's a fan vote and – the fan voting for Tim Stutza. Obviously, our Twitter timelines are biased, but it's like that was insane. It was insane. We'll we'll find out later today. But the goalie, I feel like it has to be Vasilevsky. There's no other good goalies in the Atlantic Division. Yeah, Olmark's already there. Yeah, yeah Olmark's yeah. already exactly. Like after True. Vasilevsky, I'd probably say Swayman would be the next guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Oh, seriously, like like not neither of Toronto's goalies, even though we voted for Matt Murray. Um, neither of Ottawa's goalies, neither of Buffalo's goal. Craig Anderson, get Craig Anderson to the All-Star game. Love it. We'll find out later. Let us know who do you think will be in the All-Star game. Lots of questions. Hope you guys are paying attention. Uh, <laughs> well, let us know in the comments. Uh, any final thoughts, Pilsy? Final thoughts. Uh, Belleville was in a classic, like, this is the most classic Belleville versus Toronto Marlies game ever. Ross, how many of these did we cover? It seemed like every time the Marlies were in town, we were responsibly emptying our accounts on the over because it's a toy cost who wins them, but it's always a high scoring game. I love you. You said a toy cost. A toy cost, man. I can't speak uh, anglais very well here. Um, <laughs> But unfortunately, it was a 6-5 shootout win for the bad guys. And the worst part about it, Ross, our old friend, Logan Shaw, the captain of the Belleville Centers last season, goes over to the enemy side. He's the captain of the Marlies now. He scores two goals and an assist and gets the shootout winner. And unfortunately, Igor Sokolov's perfect shootout streak is snapped. Did we mush him? Mate, I mean, maybe, yeah. <laughs> Damn. Oh, no. All right, we'll, we'll get into that more later if we need to. Uh, my final thought is interview week is over, the last one, and we really appreciate the last yes. five guests on this show. Igor Sokolov, Troy Mann, Mark Mathot, Mike Rupp, and Scott Wheeler. So if you missed any Huge. of those, go back and find those wherever you get your podcast. Maybe while you're doing chores on the weekend, you can go yep. relive a couple of those interviews do it for us because we need the numbers to stay high on those because the locked on philosophy is 30 to 40 minutes is like a nice bite size because we do so much. Uh, the last two days have been hour and five minutes each. So make sure the numbers look good and then we're all good. And also yeah. uh, I went and checked the Apple podcast reviews and we did get numerous five-star reviews with the word Zoom in it. So those Keep are appreciated. Them Keep them coming. Um, Josh Yo, you just made the list. What's up with what's up with away team media chirping Ottawa this year? We had the guy from Buffalo come mm. in and say, Your music's too loud intermission. It's just a guy yelling oh, and screaming. Yeah, yeah. Last night, the guy goes, Ottawa fans are so strange. They're the only place that boos Sidney Crosby. <laughs> 
Are you new here? Also, they weren't really booing Crosby. They were booing Malkin. Like, Good. Boo them both, man. Like, yeah. Learn the history, I guess. Like, Has he ever played Vancouver in the playoffs? Edmonton, Calgary, Winnipeg, Toronto, Montreal? No. Yeah. Has he played Ottawa? Oh, yeah. Five different times. Get out what of here. What a lame, lame take. Yikes. And when you have an air horn like they do in Pittsburgh, you can't say anything about annoying because that thing is the worst. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hope we we hate, hate hearing that. Yeah. I hate watching games in Pittsburgh. We got to do that tomorrow night. We'll be back tomorrow with a great episode of Tee Up Tomorrow's Game. Again, let us know in the comments. Oh, my God. What do we have in the comments, Pilsy? Who you think is going to be in the All-Star game? Who should start in goal on uh, Friday in Pittsburgh? And what what did you add? You added one. We got Who you want to add to interview week coming up. Yes. Who should we add? All right. Let us know all that. For today, we say goodbye for Brandon Piller. I'm Ross Slavitan, and this has been the Locked On Senators podcast. Your team every day. <laughs>